I'm presuming you can talk now. I think we can. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Wow, good afternoon. My name's Ellis, and we are starting our new podcast to remove... Oh, the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Midweek Horror Podcast with Hannah Fox and Ellis Reed. Hello, everyone. I'm Ellis. Hi, everyone. I'm Ham. And this is our new podcast to review new and old horror movies. We hope you like it. Um, what's going to happen is we're starting a new podcast where every other Wednesday, Han and I will get together to have a big pizza, and then we'll watch a horror film together and review it. And the format of the podcast is we're going to have three sections for each film. In the first one, we're going to talk about the trailer. Uh, before we've seen the actual film, we're going to watch the trailer together and then give a predicted five-star rating for the film based on how we feel about the trailer. Cool. Then in the second section, we are going to have a we're going to have a no spoiler section where we just kind of give a bit of an overview of the film, what we thought, but we don't go into the nitty gritty. And then the third and final section will follow a special jingle, so you'll know that we're well <laughs> and truly in spoiler space. And in that section, we're going to talk freely about specific plot points and scenes in the film. That's where we really go for it. The film we're going to be watching tonight is The Taking of Deborah Logan. Um, I don't know anything about it other than it's a found footage about a woman who is having a documentary made about her because she has Alzheimer's. Right. But it turns out that something a bit more scary is going on. And it is an Alzheimer's. Intriguing. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch the trailer, um, play a jingle. Of course, naturally. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about our feelings on the trailer and how excited we are about the movie. I reckon very excited. (laughs) Well, wait till you see the trailer. (laughs) Wait till you see the trailer. Who doesn't like Alzheimer horror? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, to the jingle. See you later. Wow, so we just watched the trailer. What did you think, Alice? Uh, I thought that looked really quite scary. Yeah, it was quite bonkers, wasn't it? A lot happening. Yeah, yeah, and hard to tell what a lot of that happening was. Yeah, I think they kept us guessing. I, I still don't think I know a lot of what's going on, which I think is a good thing. In the trailer for The Taking of Deborah Logan... We start with a documentary film crew who are making a film about an Alzheimer's sufferer called Deborah Logan. She needs the money to keep her house and makes it clear that she doesn't want to be exploited. And the rest of the trailer is a scary sequence of images combining found footage with a standard possession horror. In voiceover we hear about a man called Henri Desjardins who went missing 30 years ago And somebody mentions the notion of spiritual parasites. 
I think uh, I think Deborah herself looks very scary. Yes. In the sort of drawn out shots where she's just staring mm. uh, angrily. I think those look very effective. Yeah, a lot of, um, it was quite fast paced as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, I thought the bit about, um, the exposition bit about spiritual parasites mm. was a little bit cheesy. Yeah. A little bit Blumhouse, which isn't necessarily bad. No. I mean, I thought that a bit about why they'd thrown a snake in there randomly. Yeah. Don't yeah. know what that's got to do with anything, but you know, maybe all will be revealed. Well, we will find out. So I think based on the trailer, I am looking forward to this a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it looks like a solid, scary movie. And I would say at the minute, I'm predicting four stars out of five. So I think I'm going to go with a three, <clears throat> but I want to go higher so like i'm gonna go low but i want to be impressed okay i want it to surprise me because right now i still feel like i I don't really know a lot about it or what's going on so yeah three stars excellent okay that was very x factor thanks (laughs) (laughs) you're through (laughs) all right brilliant well let's now watch the film yeah and then we'll regroup to discuss our final verdict excellent Hannah and I have just watched The Taking of Deborah Logan. We have indeed. So we'll start with a spoiler-free section where we will give our verdicts and then we will play some kind of jingle so you know that we're entering spoiler territory. And then we will talk freely and frankly about specific parts of the film and plot details. Nice. So Let's go. You first, Han. What was your verdict? Well... It was an interesting film. Um, I have to say, I think I stick with my three stars. I think it was entertaining. Um, it was kind of what you want from a horror movie. There was jumpy bits. It was a bit gross. Uh, lots of running around. But I think the plot was a little bit all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And some of what the characters did was a bit ridiculous. Yeah. What do you reckon? So you... We're expecting a three star based on the trailer, mm-hmm. and the film delivered. Delivered a three me stars. a three star. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was anticipating a four star film, mm-hmm. but I am going to have to downgrade that. I haven't mm. seen the film to three stars. Um, I agree that <laughs> I agree that the plot was a bit all over the place. I thought the plot, the actual mystery that they were uncovering, was a bit weak. And not really believable the way they uncovered it. Yeah. Um, and I thought the behavior of the characters was a little bit baffling at times. I did think there were some fine, creepy sequences though. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, the window was very good. Yep. Yeah, uh, we'll uh-huh. talk about that. We'll talk about that more. Yeah. In detail mm-hmm. after the jingle when we're in spoiler space. I know it's tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it had a lot of good horror stuff in. I think I would have been more scared if I'd been by myself. Yes. But it was let down a bit by the plot. So, without further ado, let's play the spoiler space jingle 
Uh, we will see you on the other side of the jingle to talk in more detail, including spoilers. Absolutely. We're the other side of the jingle. Yes, we are. <laughs> we can talk freely. Yep. So, more detail. I thought that all the stuff with, um, what was he called? Dehardin. Dehardin, yeah. Um, the, the story, so to sum it up, as far as I understood it, um, Debs, who I think it's fair to say had a shocker in this film, <laughs> Debs had killed him some years ago. He'd been trying to do a, a snake-themed ritual to kill five young girls yep. so he could be immortal. Agreed. And after he'd killed four, Debs killed him. And then with the help of her friend, Harris, they buried him. Well, actually, they didn't kill him. They stunned him, and then they buried him alive. In a sack. In a sack. And now he has possessed Debs. And he is using her body to try and kill the fifth victim. That is what is revealed during the denouement of the film. Yes, which I learnt today. Yeah, lovely word, which Beautiful I word. fumbled somewhat. <laughs> um, so that is the mystery that they're uncovering. And I thought that the way the mystery revealed itself and the characters unpicked the clues and got to the bottom of it just wasn't very plausible. No, do you know what? I actually loved the idea of the mystery. Yeah. I thought it was great, the whole snake theme, the whole ritual. He never com he never completed the ritual and yeah. he was killed trying he was killed by Debs trying to kill her daughter. Great. But they didn't it they didn't deliver it well. Oh, did he try to kill Debs' daughter? Yeah, and th but it wasn't oh, that, that obvious. because um, Harris whispers um to I can't remember if it's Debs or Sarah yeah, Sarah, that she was going to be the fifth victim. Really? But another issue I had, he had to kill five girls to become this immortal power. Yeah. He only killed four. Yeah. He should have just died. There was no reason for him to have become this spirit that could haunt anyone. That was another issue I had with it. That is true, yeah. So he sort of already was immortal. Yeah. As a ghost. Yeah, he already was. He didn't need to do the ritual. He was already immortal. He was taking over Deborah. So what was the point of killing yeah. the fifth? Why didn't he just take over somebody else? Yeah. And in fact, he sort of already has. He took over. Yeah, he he strongly hinted at the end that he took over the little girl. <laughs> didn't need the ritual whatsoever. So what's he going to do when he's killed the fifth girl? Will he? Don't know. Hang out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point, actually. He could just have his pick of bodies and possess one. But without the need for this fifth ritual. girl and to complete the ritual. That, for me, was a bit of a plot hole. So maybe if he kills all five girls, he gets to come back with his own body. Although, to be honest... Why would you want it after it had been in that sack? <laughs> <laughs> you could probably upgrade as well. You could just pick, oh, pick somebody who's got a brilliant life and possess them. And rather than finishing the ritual, just, just stay crack put. on. Yeah. I did like the concept, though, that he was possessing Deborah to actually finish some unfinished business. Yeah. Because I think in a lot of possession films, the demon is just possessing someone to 
twat about. Yeah, basically. absolutely. Um, Exorcist. Yeah. Um, well, Emily Rose. Yeah. I think all all the big ones just twatting about. And the la- <laughs> the lack <laughs> of a real motive is glossed over by the fact that they're um, demons. So yeah. they're just going to be doing malice for malice's sake. And quite often you get lines like in the first Conjuring film when they're talking about why it's knocking three times. And, um, God, I've forgotten his name. The, um, hero says, Oh, they do it to mock the Trinity. And I think mm, normally yeah. there's, there's this idea that demons and possession movies are really just being dicks to spite us. Mm. Whereas at least in this, there was some rationale. Yeah. For what, yeah. you know, he was possessing her for a reason. They'd had a go at a story. I just think they didn't deliver it as well as they no. could have done, which was a shame. Yeah. Because I think it could have been a lot better. I do. I agree. Um, and I, I think just the way they revealed it, like with, with that guy saying there was some techno babble about how the audio on the camera, he'd never heard frequencies like it or something. Oh, so he slowed so it down and he did this and he did this. And I translated it online, uh, and that really doesn't make a huge amount of sense. No. It might have worked if he'd been, I don't know, maybe if he'd gone into more detail about it, how maybe we'd seen that um, over a longer period of time. This sound, was re- this uh, frequency was really baffling him. He'd slowed it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. He still yeah. couldn't work out what it was, that, you know, but just thinking, oh, I stuck it through Google Translate, I, I just don't think that. Yeah, yeah, that didn't work for me either. Too rushed. Yeah, and I think there were a number of plot elements like that where yeah. you just couldn't... You, they knew where they had to get to because they had to reveal facts. Mm. But the way they got there just didn't have the ring of truth. Yeah. Um. I mean, all a, li- all a little bit too rushed, really. Sometimes they just seemed to know what to do or where they had to go yeah. and there was no kind of time to stop to go, oh, hang on, like, what's going on? You know, yeah, yeah, what yeah. what is this? Yeah. They just seem to be running around, going from one place to another, knowing exactly what they had to do. Yeah. There was that bit where, when they're digging, when they believe the body is buried, they find a trowel buried there. And from that, they immediately know that Deborah got there first. Now, Mm. I don't know. First of all, if Deborah dug the body up, I don't know why she would bury her trowel in the same spot. (laughs) But also, I don't know, even if it looked... You know, a trowel is only so distinctive, unless it had a pink handle yeah. or something. I don't know how they would be so confident that that was Deborah's beloved trowel, <laughs> which she'd used recently to dig in the same spot and then accidentally left in the ground. Yeah. So that didn't make a huge amount of sense to me, but you're right. They needed to know for the plot mm. that Debs had dug up the body. So they just immediately put two and two together and completely unjustifiably got the right answer, which is weird because when they weren't being super intuitive, they were actually incredibly incompetent. Yeah, they were. Main characters. Um, Sometimes I know there was a lot of following her around slowly and they were a bit pathetic then, but there were other times where I just thought they weren't really scared enough about what was going on. Um, And sometimes they seemed to be uber scared in situations which I didn't think were necessarily that scary. And other times, Mm. you know, like vice versa. Or even Um, just surprised when they shouldn't have been. Like when, so they, they know that Deborah, they somehow know that Deborah's dug up the body, 
And then they find a putrid-smelling body-sized sack Mm. in the loft. And when they open it, they scream with shock because there's a body in it. And I don't (laughs) know, I don't know what they were expecting. What were they they hoping for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, if you find a body in your attic loft, call the police. Definitely. You don't take the sack, the body in the sack and run around with it and take it in a cave and, because that's what they did. They they took it around with them everywhere. That was unbelievable. So for, for the benefit of the tape, they believed by this point that they had to burn the, this was another extraordinary <laughs> leap yeah. based on some story that an anthropologist told them about a witch doctor yeah. some, somewhere in a foreign country. Um, they believe they had to set the body on fire in this specific case. Like, they were quite wedded to that idea. But after they'd crawled through all these tunnels to find Deborah after she'd kidnapped what was to be the fifth victim, suddenly, was a daughter called Sarah? Uh Deb's his daughter. Yeah. yeah, Sarah, yeah. Suddenly, she produces this sack with the implication being that she's carried a man's body... Around the cave. Around the cave. And, like, somehow we just haven't noticed this. They also I'll, kept talking about how bad it smelled, but then... Yeah. Carry it around with you, why not? You know, yeah, because they... Bring the stink around. They'd encountered a number of people on the way to Deb's, yeah. like police officers and stuff. Not one of them said, what have you got in that bag? It absolutely stinks. <laughs> well, so th- this is awkward, officer. <laughs> it's a dead body. Sorry, it's a dead body. Don't mind me and my dead body. Carry on. Also, that was a bit of a plot hole as we whispered to each other during the film because I obviously I'm not an expert in the decomposition of bodies, but I believe after decades... 30 years yeah. after... The lowest, I think, yeah, yeah, possibly more. A body would not stink. It would especially not be liquefying to the extent that it caused a stain on the ceiling that alerted him to the fact that the body was in the loft. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that for me, didn't work at all. Um, but, I mean, I think it was still entertaining on the upside. It, yeah. it, was, a, it was a kind of... I think the sort of film that you, that, you know, for exactly what we're doing tonight, watch with a friend, laugh at some of the bits that aren't quite well thought out, and then there's still some jumpy bits which were, you know, good horror movie fodder. Yeah, the, there was a superb bit with the window, which yeah, you liked. Yeah, I did I, like that. Do you want to describe that quickly? Yeah, that was, I mean, so that, that was quite a good bit. So they're in a dark room, um, they've been looking for Debs once again. And standing by a nailed down window, um, which suddenly flies up when nobody's near it. Um, yeah. and Debs is looking on, looking quite scary. And obviously you're kind of thinking she's done it supernaturally in some yeah. way, but that, that was pretty good. Um, I, th- I think what I liked about that was it was a double scare. Yeah. Cause first of all, the guy who is there is somebody who actually understood that he was in a horror film and bailed halfway through the film, <laughs> yeah. which, which I, I found quite amusing. Um, but he, had started to get superstitious, so he was going to hang uh, a crucifix on the window that Deborah seemed obsessed with. And as he hung the cross, he turned, and Deborah's just stood there. Yes, yeah. So it's the classic jump scare of somebody just being there when you turn around, when there's been no sound or anything to announce their arrival. So that was a that was a solid hmm. textbook jump scare. Yeah. And then she said to him, "You're letting my heat out." And he turns round and the 
the window that had been nailed shut that he was hanging the crucifix on is just wide open. Flings open, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, um, so that was two two for the price mm. of one in jumps, I thought. I, I did like that bit. And the bit where she um, seems to levitate onto the stove, that was good as well, without um, any time going past. So they couldn't work out how she did it. I liked that. Um, another bit, I think, for, for those of you that like the kind of grisly in horror films, the skin, the ripping off of the oh, skin. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I I couldn't take it. It wasn't for me. But, you know, I know some people like the horror films to be a bit gory, and that certainly was. Yeah. Yeah. That was... I, I think I think we found that quite hard to watch, and I a lot of people did. will. But sometimes that's what you want from a horror yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. You want something a bit gross. Um, I... Actually, talking about gross, this had an extremely effective image towards the end, which was when Debs, who is becoming increasingly snake-like, like by this point, she sends a security guard into anaphylactic shot by biting him, so she's got a venomous bite. She's spitting mm. something venomous at people, so she's becoming increasingly more snake-like. Scaly skin. Scaly skin. She's been shedding her skin <laughs> with gay abandon. <laughs> Um, when they finally catch up to her and the girl she's kidnapped to be the fifth victim, <laughs> she's basically, her, her jaw has dislocated like a, a boa constrictor mm. and she's got her mouth completely, she's got the little girl's head completely in her mouth. And that, that was quite a effective, scary scene, I thought. It, it was good. They definitely... They went with the snake theme and they kept the snake theme and, yeah. you know, fair play to them for that. And actually, it's funny, but it occurred to me when you were mentioning the teleport. So the teleport was quite an early scare. And, and I guess they wanted to have the possibility that something inexplicable had gone on with the recording. But um, she got up onto the kitchen surface by sort of teleporting up. Like one minute she was stood there and then the next minute she, she was stood on the surface. But the clock didn't show any missing footage. Um, in retrospect, because of this whole snake theme, I think it would have been better if you'd somehow slithered up oh. in an inhuman way, like contorting, like bending in an inhuman way, yeah. like a snake slithering up. And they'd be like, what the hell How she did done? she How do she that? done that? that yeah. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, I think it was good at building tension by just showing Deborah like staring sometimes inscrutably, sometimes seeming a bit hostile. I thought that was good. I thought it had a good atmosphere. Um, I mean, the like, Deborah, the, uh, the, the, the actress who played Deborah was very good. She was superb. Yeah, yeah. really played the role well. Um, and actually, I think so was, was Sarah. She, she yeah. again, good. Really like Good character. actress. Actually, I'm focusing on the negatives, I think, only because I thought it was going to be better than it was. Yeah. But we still yeah. enjoyed it. We still enjoyed it. It, it was um, a good one to kick off with. Yeah. Good fun. Mm. I think um, the bit we laughed most at, mm. unintentional humour, was the most incompetent fire lighting <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. When they're bickering with each other, trying to set fire to the body of this guy who's been dug up to end the curse. And first of all, they're bickering about whether they've put enough of the firelight fluid on. And then one of them screams, 
because Sarah accidentally squirts so with <laughs> with the lighter fluid, lighter stuff. fluid, yeah, yeah, yeah that, um, that was amusing. And when they finally managed to light this corpse completely inappropriately, the guy with the camera, I think he just does a little cheer, yeah, like, yay. Yay, like you would if you were just trying <laughs> to make a normal fire, and it had taken a while. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a silly scene, but you know, gave us some amusement. So I think actually, uh, so you said. Debs and Sarah. Mm. I should have really had the information about the film here so we can name some actors <laughs> and some of the other characters. Give them a shout out, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, they did uh, superb performances. And actually, I would say nobody did a weak performance. No. I would, they're the, the two I agree, standouts. actually. Yeah, good acting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I thought it was the well, well and atmospherically shot. Mm-hmm. At the end, the found footage aspect, in terms of following what was happening, it got a bit too choppy. Yeah. Bit too much running around, couldn't see what was going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The light that's barely on. Yeah. Um, I think three mm. out of five is fair. I think three out of five is, yeah, I can't, spot on. I can't see myself watching it again. No. I think, for me, that was a, a one-time only. But, you know, if a sequel came out, I'd give it a whirl. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? See what Debs is up to. Yeah. Or that, that little <laughs> She's girl. She's still going. Um, it is one of those films that really punishes a character. And oh, by the end, yeah. I was almost chuckling at what a shitty time she's Debs was having. She's had an awful time, hasn't she? <laughs> I, know. I mean, I know. at the end, when she's all bandaged up and they're taking her into the ambulance, you've got to feel sorry for her. Yeah. Oh. And at the beginning when Sarah was saying, you know, she's very prim and proper. Yes. And by the end, she wasn't that prim and proper. Not at all. She'd been biting people. She'd been trying to eat little girls. Skin ripping. Had a baps out. (laughs) (laughs) Which I wasn't expecting. If you like old lady nudity, you know, get an eyeful here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you had to predict, what do you think it would have on Rotten Tomatoes? I haven't looked. I reckon the three as well. Uh, so it's a percentage. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. Um, 30 something, 40? Percent. Mm. What do you think? I think it would be 55. Do you reckon? Should we look it up? Yeah, see who's, have a look. See who's the closest. Mm-hmm. This is when it takes forever. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. We can, we can get it in post-production, Han. <laughs> Yeah, true. We're professionals now. We are, that, that is true. Uh, what was it called? The Taking? 89%. You're shitting me. Why? On Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Click on it. I don't believe the Do Google snippet. Do you think that might be, a, yeah, might be a bit of a... 89%. Let's have the critics' consensus. Audience score of 48%. That is Gosh. rare. Yeah. Rare to see such a disparity. Mental. Um, well, let's let's read the little consensus thing which bit? for the for the benefit of the tape. There should be like a paragraph called critics consensus. Ah, okay. Critics, con- no consensus yet. They've disappointed us there. Oh well, we tried. We'll definitely make that a regular fixture of the podcast. I think so. We'll have a little competition to see who's the closest to the Rotten Tomatoes like score. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll read the critics consensus. And I need when to actually learn how Rotten Tomatoes works before trying to attempt the score. <laughs> well, actually, there was some method in that because the I always think films I really liked 
often get scored really badly by critics. So yeah. I was like, well, I thought it was fine. So maybe it'll be really under. But then maybe I should have thought, if I think it's just okay, it's good. everyone else is going to think it's brilliant. You know, flip that, it around. I can't believe that got 89%. No. Actually. But yeah, I, I still... I can't even remember what my guess was. Did I say 55%? 55. So you were closer. You see, that is really weird because one of my theories, well, I say theory, one thing I feel as a horror fan mm. is that horror is persistently underrated mm. um, because non-horror fans... Um, just underscore horror films. And when I'm looking on IMDb for films to watch, I only really start to get put off by the IMDb score if it's under four out of ten. Okay. And if for a horror film. Yeah. And I will still watch a three out of ten film if the trailer looks good. Hmm. Because I'm just used to the idea that horror is persistently, horror films persistently get a lower score than I would give them as a horror fan. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it's really surprising for me to say, you know, this was a fine watch on yeah. Hump Day. On Hump Day, woo! Um, and then to find out it's got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. But horror is very idiosyncratic. I just, I guess that just goes to show it's horses for courses. Totally agree. Um, I also noticed that the director was Brian Singer. That might have something to do with it. Oh, of X-Men fan. Yeah. Uh, just a quick interjection from me in post-production. Uh, we made a little mistake here. Brian Singer of X-Men fame was the producer of The Taking of Deborah Logan. It was directed by Adam Robertel, who co-wrote it with Gavin Heffernan. So I wonder whether, because it had a big-name director, people and um, people liked his other films, they were inclined to, I don't know, give oh, him a maybe. higher rating. I don't know. Just a, just an observation. But. In that case, I feel doubly bad for Debs. Because <laughs> by the end of the film, when she was... When she had all those snake-themed powers, mm. if she'd just been in another film, she would have been a superhero. Well, she would, wouldn't she? <laughs> yeah. You know, she can, like, spit venom yeah. for the bad guys. She can... If she's got enough time, slowly mm. eat them slowly whole. Slowly eat them, yeah. <laughs> and that takes care of lunch, you know. Oh, so, so. she could teleport that classic snake yeah. power. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, brilliant. Well, I think brilliant. that's that's all my thoughts. I've sort of... Well, I think, yeah. I I've think seen. we've kind of done it, haven't we? We've, yeah. We've probably exhausted our, our opinions now, but... So a solid yeah. middle of the road, three out of ten. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I think that's probably it from me. Um Hope to see Debs again, another production. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time for more Midweek Horror. Don't get scared now. Yes! <laughs> I don't know if we need to sign off like... Midweek Horror Podcast was made by Hannah Fox and Alice Reed. Join us in two weeks' time when we'll be reviewing Get Out. <laughs> <laughs>